Hey everybody, it's Stefan from a Comedy Advice Podcast. Just wanted to give you a little background intro before we dive into the episode. First off, if this is your first time listening, thank you for stumbling across our podcast. Why don't you kick back, take off your shoes, and stay a while? Doesn't matter if you're at work or in the car, just take off them shoes. I think that the best experience is if you take off your shoes. That's what I'm just trying to tell you, okay? So just take off your shoes, it's going to make it better. Anyway, We've got a really special guest this episode. His name's Nikki Paris, and he's a stand-up comedian. You may have seen him on the Wendy Williams show as their man on the street. He is also featured in Audible's 2020 Pride special for his epic coming out story, which he shares a little bit about on our podcast. So we get to talk a lot about his life, how he got into stand-up comedy how he got to headline at Caroline's Comedy Club in New York City and how his entire family came along. So that made him a little bit nervous. We talked about how he debuted at the Hollywood Laugh Factory and how he followed a live Q&A from John Stamos. We really get into a lot of it. And I have to say, Nikki Paris is one of the funniest human beings I have ever met. So it was an awesome time for me. I hope you guys enjoy it too. Just one last thing. Thank you to all of the listeners that keep coming back, if this is your first time and you like what you hear, please subscribe, tell a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That is really important to help us climb the charts. We've been in the top charts for best improv podcasts of all time. I think we're hanging around 30. So thank you to everybody that's helped us get there. And thank you to everybody that's going to help us get even further. We really love all of you guys. Also, follow Nikki. All of his links are going to be in the show notes. So just click on over there. Follow him on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you want to follow. All right, guys. You ready? Hold my hand. Here we go. A comedy advice podcast. An advice podcast for deaf and, and friends. To make exaggerated statements not meant to be taken literally. What was that, Seven? Uh, comedy advice podcast. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Comedy Advice Podcast. My name is Stefan Satani, and I'm your first host. Joining me today is second host, Eric Hughes. Hey, how you doing? Doing splendid. Thank you, Eric, for asking. We've also got a very, very special guest joining us from the pool out of all places. This is a first. He uh, He's an Italian-American stand-up comedian from New York who has performed on the biggest stages of New York and L.A. You may have seen him on a variety of TV shows such as Wendy Williams, MTV, The Doctors, and as host on L.A. TV's The Zoo and more. He will be one of the comics featured on Audible's 2020 Pride special for his epic coming out story and performance on the acclaimed Don't Tell My Mother show where he performed with Terry Hatcher, Bobby Burke, and Betty (laughs) Who. Everybody, please welcome Nikki Paris. Hi. I'm I'm sorry I started laughing. It's it's funny because all those credits and you still go, who? (laughs) (laughs) such a such a big intro for people still think i'm rachel maddow so it's weird for me (laughs) oh man to hear all that (laughs) hi guys hey how are you doing well man how are you fantastic I'm good. I'm I'm in my pool, as you mentioned, topless. So there's nobody even looking out their windows. Everybody's scared to shut the shutters. And um, <laughs> it, it, it's been good. I just I'm, I'm taking a self. I just woke up today in such a good mood. I don't know about you guys. It's one of those rare days when my balls were not in a knot. And I just said today is going to be a special day. And I'm just in a great mood. So I'm sitting by the pool. And I'm, I'm tanning. I'm sure I'll have melanoma by lunch. Has your skin gotten any sun in the past couple of months? Because mine sure hasn't, no. and I'm starting to glow in the dark. It's no, a no, problem. No, no. <laughs> oh, man. You what? knew that I had a cyst by looking at me. That's how 
pale and clear <laughs> I was up until about last weekend. Oh, man. So I was going to actually ask you, you, you were born and grew up in Staten Island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> for five years, I lived in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. that (laughs) It it was very tragic. I actually lived in this ignorance and bliss because I didn't know half the things that were going on. So I would walk from my house to the train station every day, sometimes at night. I never got robbed for some reason. I think one of my friends said it's because people thought I was an undercover cop. (laughs) but um, i actually ended up buying a tv in staten island by mistake because i put on the gps i didn't realize states were so close being from arizona so my wife and i we want to buy a tv and there's a best buy a mile away so then we cross this huge bridge have to pay a 15 dollar toll and then end up buying a tv in staten island it was other than the toll was worth it yeah toll is worth it (laughs) I think that $15 is not enough. I think to be submerged in the fumes from the Staten Island dump, I think it's an an experience that you don't pay enough for. I think I just had a stroke, if anybody just caught how much I stuttered, um, by the way. I think somebody dropped a hairdryer in this pool. What's what's going on here? I'm I'm proud of you that you lived in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and nobody shot at you. I think that's a story that not a lot of people could tell. So... Um, <laughs> yes, I, but I'm proud of being from Staten Island. People make fun of me. People are like you're from you're trash. You're from Staten Island. I'm like you're from Alabama. At least I don't fuck my cousin. <laughs> That's I, good... I, I I loved it. It was a good life. I had granite and a lot of marble in my kitchen. I didn't have any mafia ties, unfortunately, but I, I really wish that I did. And um... I love fur, foe. <laughs> for those listening, maybe not. I'll let you wonder. But yeah, I love Staten Island. I love the food in Staten Island, and I love the Staten Island Mall which is a lot like the Bronx Zoo. Some of my favorite people come from Staten <laughs> Island. So I was going to say, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Impractical Jokers. They're all from yeah, Staten Island. Love them. You, one of my new favorite comedians from Staten That's Island. Right. So We're all broken. <laughs> so you ended up getting into comedy and stand-up when you were 17 years old. How did you, yeah. what, what led you to get into comedy? And did you just go full force or did you kind of just try it and then went from there how did i get into comedy suicidal thoughts no i'm just (laughs) kidding i I just i always wanted to perform i mean i I was always in like musical theater which is pretty lame looking back in case anybody wants a confirmation i'm gay there it is (laughs) um but i i was on a cruise ship and uh, i was with a bunch of my friends from my high school and they were like there was an open mic and they're like you have to go up and perform i was like no way i have nothing prepared they're like get up there keep in mind i i I sang britney spears at karaoke two days before i had no shame doing that in front of of people but (laughs) that's what really was even more embarrassing and i just went up and i had nothing prepared and i just like riffed it and (laughs) made fun of people in the crowd and it was that was it. That was like it. And this, I was caught, I, I like caught the bug and I've been doing stand up ever since. It's, it's the cr- most rewarding thing I've ever done. But so I'd start doing more pushups, I would say. <laughs> I just started doing that. that. That's been pretty rewarding too. And then you, you ended up doing comedy all over New York City, which I would say is probably more competitive than what's Alabama. Yeah, but you know what? In Alabama, they have less teeth, so they're more compassionate. I think the audience is. <laughs> I think they're sweeter and they're open to more. Uh, you could uh, say to somebody from Alabama, have you been finger blasted behind the Cracker Barrel? Yes, of course. Of course. Of course. I should mention before, uh, 50% of our listeners are from Alabama, so uh, they're going to I love, love you guys. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I don't think that many people have a cell phone in Alabama's. No, um, they write it on the cow. Send that up the road. But anyway, and then you you worked your way up, and then you were recently last year you got to headline Caroline's. What was that like? It was an honor and terrifying at the same time because my mom invited everybody in my extended family, people that I never even saw. They haven't even seen me with an Adam's apple, let alone know that I do stand up or at least that I'm gay. So my mom invited like her cousins and her aunts. So I haven't seen these people in like 15 years. So afterwards, I'd be like, hey, Aunt Marie, what did you think of the fisting material? It was very, <laughs> oh, shit. you know, and... and my family got a table right up in the front. I was like, what are you doing? Like, I want you in the back with the wait staff where I don't have to see you. So my mom goes, do you think they're going to put a spotlight on me? I said, why would they put a spotlight on you? Are you headlining the club? So, are, are you going to host, mom? <laughs> Can you imagine the ego? <laughs> I said, there's only one spotlight and it's for me. No, it, it was uh, it, it was great. It was an honor. It was very nerve wracking, truthfully. A lot because I had like my high school principal come. It just it's always nerve wracking to do shows in New York because I have a lot of people that I know come. I'd love to know nobody when I do shows. <laughs> you say what you want. You're in the moment. You never have to see these people ever again. I performed in Times Square for years. People from Lithuania or wherever, Belgium, and you know you don't like me. Fine, I never see you ever again. And enjoy your pretzels back home. <laughs> I was also going to ask too. So you, you did talk about being gay, and you are going to be featured on Audible for one of the comics for their epic coming out stories. So I don't know if you can share a little bit of it or give a little, give us a little taste. But uh, we'd love to hear about that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do I care? So <laughs> it's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out next month. And, you know, I had a very interesting relationship with my parents growing up. They were in denial that I was gay. I was like, can you, he-? they couldn't hear my list. They would, they just chose, chose to ignore it. So um, I was in uh, Peter Pan, which is so embarrassing in my high school play. And we were drinkers. We were a lot of fun. I'm not going to apologize for it. We went to the St. Patrick's Day parade and we all got drunk. We went back to school, which was so stupid. Cause why would we go back to school if we cut school? And we were drinking, but we were that gay that we were like, we're not going to miss a dress rehearsal. So we went back and we, we reeked of alcohol and the principal was there. She showed up for that. I was like, it's eight o'clock at night. Like, don't you have a boyfriend? Why are you here at eight o'clock at night? So we all got in trouble and they called their parents. My mom kicked me out of the play the night before the show. And I was very upset because one of the girls in the play, the kangaroo, she couldn't see out of her mask and fell off the stage and broke her leg. And I missed it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you want to talk about Barbara. I'm so sorry for you. (laughs) So. I didn't know that I missed her being put on the stretcher. It just, you know, it's something that I'll never. So how how was I going to get back at my parents? I came out of the closet. Oh, man. Really? And how how did did they how did they react? Oh, it was like I might as well have told them that I, you know, had Osama bin Laden in the shed for the last two years. That was a weird analogy. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird. That was the first thing that I referenced. Sorry. I've been watching a lot of CNN. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> oh man! So I was gonna say you were also on the uh, an episode of Don't Tell My Mother with right. Was it Terry Hatcher, Bobby Burke, was, Betty Who? Terry Hatch. Yeah, it was great. And so that's sorry, another. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. 
Oh, no, it's okay. Eric does it all the time. I'm used to it. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to speak less. It's very hard for me. No, no, no. You're great. You're, you're way funnier than I am. So if we can get you to speak more than me, that'd be perfect. But that, that, that's a show where you basically tell the audience and people things that you wouldn't feel safe or didn't want to tell your mother. So I was going to ask, was there any, any tidbits or any, any things that you spilled on that show that your mother still doesn't know? I'm I'm not sure. I'd have to get back to you. I I, I keep my mom on a need to know basis, so I don't really know what, <laughs> what she knows. I only know what I filter in and out to her. Um, it's, I assume it's a lot like when Britney Spears talks to her doctors and her staff. It's very similar here with me. <laughs> so I, I don't. I like gave her like a little warning. I was just like, hey, like this is coming out in June. It's an audible. But now she thinks she's like Dina Lohan. She's like, how much you get paid? That's all <laughs> she cares about. So. <laughs> <laughs> they're, very, they're very supportive but it, it was really nerve-wracking i mean i i watch queer eye terry hatcher i mean desperate housewives and betty who and there's so many more great people on the show and then me and they made me go first because usually i'm the craziest so they know let him go <laughs> they, they when they want to start with a bang i always have to start at these shows so it, it was interesting it was it was so much fun it was one of the best experiences of my life and i'm so glad i got to do it and it's nikki levy she produced the show here and they've had like lance bass on it and so many big people and i want to thank them for lowering their standards and having me oh no no absolutely not <laughs> shining star here that's the star jones <laughs> <laughs> so what what I, I couldn't find the episode i don't know if they if it was just it didn't a come lot out yet Oh, okay. So then it's coming out for Pride Month, I believe, in June. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know the exact date on that, but stay tuned. <laughs> oh, nice. All right, I'll research it and put it in the show notes. That's <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That's totally fine. And then, uh, I, how professional are you? I love it. I love how I ask you a question. You're like, I'll get back to you on that. That's so. That's so nice. I appreciate. Thank that. you. I worked for Kinkos out of summer, so I would <laughs> really say that really shaped my work ethic. Um, I like to think I'm I'm very professional. I like you know I just downloaded masterclass, so now I think I'm like some type of CEO of something. So that's been fun. I try to be very professional. I try to read. You know, I just got onto books without pictures, so it's it's been fun. I mean, there's a lot of things I'm nourishing my brain with. Was that even your question? I think you asked how professional. Oh, it was. You know, why don't you watch this interview and make up your own decision? <laughs> it was more of a rhetorical, like, "Oh, how cute are you?" But like, how professional are you? But you're so professional that you actually answered the question articulately. That's how needy I am. I don't let anything get by. <laughs> oh man! So attention to detail. <laughs> Thank you. I was also going to ask just a little bit on the "Don't Tell Your Mother" and everything. You just were on a podcast too of sex talk with my mom where yes not, not my mom thank god but with another person <laughs> that's mom. coming out next week oh no oh god <laughs> we had a lot to say about you <laughs> <laughs> my mom still thinks i'm a virgin i've i've been happily married for eight years but she still thinks that i'm waiting for something some miracle or some <laughs> divine intervention Does she so. like your wife she loves her. Yes, she oh, loves good. her. More than me, in fact, actually. Does she think you're the little spoon or something? I think so. <laughs> I think so. That's she, adorable. She even, she one time found a condom in the dryer because I accidentally left it in my pocket in high school. And I was like, mom, I, I didn't use it yet. I was waiting. And she's like, okay, well, then you're still a virgin. Oh, 
I just think it's beautiful that your wife will keep you warm throughout the winters. I'm relieved to hear that. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, and you sent her a muffin basket from me or an edible arrangement. <laughs> will do. Will do. I was also I was also going to say so comedy stand up you recently last year headlined at Caroline's and then you also recently had your debut at the Laugh Factory. So how was that? I we'll talk about the the rest of the folks that were performing as well, but how was the experience at the Laugh Factory? I mean, it's incredible. It I've always wanted to perform there and I performed at the Long Beach Laugh Factory a couple of times, but this is my first time at the Hollywood one and I've seen so many incredible comics there. Um, that I just love and look up to. So it, it was really exciting and nerve wracking, but I'm one of those people that like, I don't enjoy the moment until it's over. So until like the moment when I step on that stage, I'm like, I'm always nervous because I care so much and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm broken as I mentioned. So I just really want to do a good job and for everybody to like me. And um, it went really, really well. I think it was one of the best sets. <laughs> Little did I know do one of the last, last sets I do of this year live. I'm doing so many virtual comedy shows now. I'm one private touch away from being a cam girl. Which I did not. <laughs> I did not think that would happen. Man, what do you what do you what do you think of those virtual shows? I love them because it, if I don't talk to anybody, I'll talk to myself. So I think that it's good to just. I mean, I did a show last night, and I think there was like 60, 70 people on it, which is usually about you know. 55 more than are there for my actual shows. So it's, <laughs> it's nice. It's, it's a different medium and it still holds you accountable because you get to work out the material and um, it holds me accountable. And I really like that, but I've been doing like three or four shows a week and I'm, it's been great. And I like me. I'm so nosy. I love looking at everybody's squares on the zoom, seeing which what, what's in the background at this one's house. I'm, I'm like, Ooh, that looks cheap. It's probably from linens and things. So just like little things like that. Do you, uh, is that everyone? I imagine everyone's muted, right? Do you just like look look for laughter? Do you look? No, for the some some. It depends on the show, but um, I personally like when the audiences aren't muted. Oh, and we have had some not. hecklers. Yeah, okay. sometimes they're not, and we've had like Zoom hackers that have come in and like curse us all out. Like there was somebody that like took a picture of me last week and drew like a dick on the left side of my face. But I'm I'm I was like it actually goes on the right side usually. So it just flattered. <laughs> You know, it, honestly, it was. This is going to sound really sick, but I was so flattered that somebody even took the time to take a picture and draw stuff on me. So that was that made me feel good. Oh hmm. yeah, I was I was going to say nobody's <laughs> nobody's taking the time. So listeners, you hear that? If you do have the time, please left side. Right. And then I was going to say about the Hollywood Laugh Factory. Did you follow, or did did, did uh, you go after John Stamos? Yeah. So John Stamos did a Q and A, and I was. I got, I got there really early because I just like to just get my head in the game. So he was like the second person there after me and he had his whole entourage and he was so sweet. I didn't really want to talk to him until after I went up, but I followed him and he did a Q and A and they were asking, they were taking questions from the crowd and some girl asked him, I can't believe how dumb this, this question is. She goes, John, what's your favorite ride at Disneyland? So the like really that <laughs> what the you have one moment to ask John Samus a question and that's your question. So the first thing I did when I got on stage was like, what a stupid question. I would have said, John, how could I? I, I said, John, I would have asked John, how could I ride you? So that you know, and when I got off stage, he was like waiting for me when I got off stage. He was like, you were really funny, and he was like, I'm gonna look out for your name. And we took. I was like, John, do you think we could have a picture together? And he was like, yeah. And he was like, I'm gonna make this my grinder picture, which was very funny. Oh my so, god. Isn't that hilarious? So yeah, that's great. 
That is so hilarious. To answer your next question, yes, I had a chub. Uh, oh, <laughs> I had I had a chub just hearing about it. God damn! I mean, John Stamos, he was my first, he was my first idol because I didn't have cable TV, so I grew up on that kid show Zoom, Arthur, uh, Family Matters, and Full House, and so I loved John Stamos. He was like my Uncle Jesse. I, uh, I yeah. He to saw, me, if you turn all the lights out, I look like him. Oh, okay. Okay. We can in my try head, that. that's in the pitch black. I'm like, I probably look like him. I don't. I look more like Chaz Bono. But. I can <laughs> No, I can kind of see it. He, <laughs> I, uh, you can't. <laughs> I also, I, I found out maybe five years ago that it was John Stamos that sang the intro to Full House. I just never made the connection because the voice seems so different, doesn't it? Or can it I just... be honest with you? I didn't watch Full House. And I'll tell you why. There was one at one day. I, I'll never forget it. There was just some episode where her foot grew and then took up the whole house. And I remember my mom was making potato and eggs for dinner. And something about the foot and seeing the potato and the eggs just skeeved me out. And I never watched the show again. <laughs> oh, God. Or, or ate the potato and the eggs? <laughs> yeah, that was the last time I've ever had it in my life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wrote two things off that day. But, you know, they have my support. And I actually just interviewed somebody from Fuller House. I actually controlled myself not to tell them this story. <laughs> oh god that, that was a win for me my my therapist would be proud that was a win i, I could imagine the trauma from that too because you try to close your eyes and forget about it and then you just hear the theme it wasn't song. even a question i said i'll never watch the show again something just i don't know it's just the whole ambiance of it all i was in a mood i was like probably like six or seven but i knew back then oh man I'm like count me out well when you know you know it <laughs> <laughs> something about just her big foot i don't it just really freaked me out is anybody, if anybody from Full House is listening, I'm sorry. We've got about 90% of the cast listening, so uh, yeah, this is a problem. I'll just bleep is it out. Anne, is Anne Becky listening from her cell? <laughs> oh, man. How do you like being a lesbian, if so? <laughs> Has it been a challenge for you? Oh, Did you always enjoy tilapia? <laughs> all right somebody stop me no no keep going keep going um <laughs> all right i was also going to ask about the podcast that you have with dean mcdermott and adam hunter daddy issues so dean mcdermott 52 year old with six kids married to tori spelling and then there's also adam hunter comedian early 40s and dad and then you who dean mcdermott says is 27 and looking for a daddy so how did the three of you come together and make a podcast we all met at a glory hole and it was really <laughs> fun because <laughs> that's how that's how eric and i met that's crazy that's how a lot of podcasts start i get so mad at dean every every episode when he's like and nikki still needs daddy i'm like my my birth father listens to this show and that's it's not necessarily true too because i i, I the joke that i tried to i was like Dean's a famous dad of six. Adam is a new dad, and Nikki still needs his dad. And it got turned into Nikki still needs a daddy. And I was like, I didn't approve of that line. So oh, um, I have a father who I love very much. I'm so sorry, Dad, for what I've done to you in, in this life. But um, yeah, it, I didn't know. I don't. You know, I, I would. Say, I'm 27, but I would say like a very young 27. Like I didn't know what a mortgage was until like six weeks ago. <laughs> so I, I'm still doing a lot of. I'm doing a lot of learning about the world. Um, I didn't realize that when you take something out of the freezer that you have to thaw it. I didn't even know what thawing was. I, <laughs> I, didn't know, I, I think I must have been out sick that day in you, school. You just thought it was so, Mike, Mike Tyson saying saw? Well, I, 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 try, I don't cook at all. I don't clean. I just sit around and complain. 
and I order food. It's, I live a very expensive life. I mean, look at this. I mean, I peed in this pool. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but yeah, I, I took, I went to go attempt to make shrimp a couple weeks ago and I didn't realize you couldn't take it right out of the freezer and put it right on the skillet. So George Foreman didn't warn me and I, I will have a word with them after this. Well, you know, I didn't know about. Did I even about- answer the question? I'm so sorry. Oh, the, I forgot I, what I the question was. I, I, I have a really bad habit of doing that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You you're- could ask me a question about my childhood and I could turn it into the election of 1936. You're on brand, though, with our podcast. So we kind of go off yes. into these little tangents. Daddy issues. I'm but sorry. Yes. I, so we all met because I host Adam's weekly comedy show in L.A. at the Dime every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And if you've never been to the Dime, it's a really fun place to go see live comedy and wonder, will I get shot tonight? It's a lot like Elizabeth, New Jersey. So, oh, uh... um, <laughs> so Dean wanted to try doing stand-up and the three of us just like really hit it off. And they're like my brothers. They really are. I love them so much. And I love Adam and I love his baby. And I love Dean and Tori and their kids and their 27 pigs and farm animals that they have. And it's, yeah. it's a lot. I, I tell Dean, he's like Noah on the ark. They have so many animals and I like animals, you know, at the zoo from a distance, but yeah, I grew up on a farm, so I was, used to. <gasps> I, okay. Yeah. First, let me, let me just define what I'm saying. I always wanted to be Amish. So that's a fantasy of mine, but in this life, I wasn't equipped <laughs> for that. <laughs> in my next life, I want to be Amish and churn butter and ride my wooden scoot, ride my wooden scooter up the road. That's all I want to do. So I'm very jealous of that life. Is it the beard? Uh, yeah, I want to be Jebediah Paris. That's <laughs> Get ready to build a barn. Yeah, and if it's a problem, I'll run you over with my horse and buggy. You don't know what I'm capable of. By the way, <laughs> I was going to say, when, when Dean says, Nikki needs a daddy, I thought it was more of a sexual thing. I didn't realize that it was interpreted more of like, you don't have a dad or you need a dad because your dad isn't sufficient yeah. enough easy so. to make me up to look like the, the fucking broken one that's facing <laughs> seven-year-old man yeah no i listen I, I at this point when you sit on the news and you hear it said i just learned to embrace it <laughs> it's too late we were on ktla news and they're like nikki still needs a daddy and i was like my, my dad's gonna see this like, no <laughs> but, so it was it was a very awkward father's day but <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh god oh. what a laugh what a hoot it's oh been. yes <laughs> so i took a screenshot i'm gonna post this later i forgot the interview is still going on i feel like you guys are just like my friends or therapists oh man i i'm glad that's you feel we, right that's... at home all right we're gonna go into the self-help portion of the podcast unless there's anything else you'd like to say about yourself nikki I think I've said enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to go into the self-help portion of the podcast. We like to fuel ourselves with an inspirational quote so that it can get us through the rest of the advice. But before we show our inspirational quote, we like to ask our guests if they have any inspirational quotes that help get them through their days. So, Nikki, anything come to mind? Does it make me a total asshole if I pick a quote of my own? Absolutely, Yes. No, no, I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> but we still want to hear it. <laughs> oh, wait, let me give you the before before everybody's judgment. Let me give you the context. So I did a, another podcast, and I uh, I've said something along the lines of a quote of, um, "You could throw me off a building, and I'll always find a way to land on my feet." 
and somebody listening was a teacher and I, she wrote me this morning, I woke up to this message that she wrote a whole speech for the virtual graduation of her sixth grade class. And she quoted me in the speech in my quote. So wow. I just, I, I, I can't believe that. So she gave this whole speech and she referenced me in it. And I, I just want to congratulate those kids. That wasn't the answer you thought I was going to say. Oh, like, I'm, 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 I'm shaping minds for my pool one day at a time. That's, uh, was that quote inspired by maybe Rumple Teaser or Mango Jerry from the show Cats? I have no idea who the fuck either <laughs> Mango, Mango Bill or whoever the fuck or Pomegranate <laughs> Peter. I've, I've never heard of either of those people. <laughs> You said it's from Cats, <laughs> like the Broadway show? Yeah. I'm, I'm proud to say I haven't seen that yet. So. <laughs> but you uh, tell, you know, you tell <laughs> Raspberry Jim, give him my regards. These all sound like nicknames of people from Alabama that maybe did a trip to Jamaica one time. Decided to change the name to Mango Jerry. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> well, that's an excellent oh quote, God. Nikki. That 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 was surprising and a good quote. We're gonna go into our quote, and these quotes that we get are usually furnished by an AI machine called Inspirobot. And what it does is it uses AI to take some of the wisest words known to man, mash them together, and then produce a beautiful quote for us to be motivated by. Great. You sound very enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're going to read the quote. Eric's actually going to read it for us. And then we're going to try and find out what it means. This week's quote. You can take the cyanide capsule out of the possibility, but you can't take the possibility out of the cyanide capsule. All right. Great quote. Thank you, InspireBot, for putting, for putting that one together. Well, let me ask, what's a cyanide capsule? Cyanide's a poison. So okay. when you in like a movie, when you see someone take a pill to stop someone from getting information out of them and they kill themselves by swallowing something and, and they immediately oh, die. Thank God. I thought I, I was actually going to say it was an energy drink. So I'm glad that you clarified that for both of us, Eric. That's good. I took the bullet for all of you. Yeah. <laughs> if you couldn't tell, Eric's the smart one in the group, so I usually have to ask him about words and quotes and stuff like that. Anyway, now that we all know what it means, thank you, Eric. Yeah. Nikki, what does that quote mean to you? You can take the cyanide capsule out of the possibility, but you can't take the possibility out of the cyanide capsule. Yeah, that is the one of the dumbest quotes I've ever heard. So whoever <laughs> said that, I'm assuming it's not from Judy Bloom, but um... it, it was actually from Mango Jerry in the show Cats, the Broadway. No, show. it was not. <laughs> that that are you are you being serious right now? Or are you being are you kidding? No, oh, no. It's I'm... the whole it's the whole scene where uh, <laughs> Rumble Teaser threatens what to commit suicide. What the fuck goes on in this Cats? That's why nobody saw it. I blame Mango Jerry. These, Who is this cool pie? It's by AI-driven machine Inspirobot. It's by a robot. Oh, that's why it makes no sense. You know what? <laughs> I, I, okay. Here I am. I was like, I'm going to have to block my Angelou now. I, I, I don't trust her after this quote. I hope somebody spills a nice bottle of Fiji on that robot. Okay? <laughs> and I, I blame it for making me look like such an idiot now. And that's why I'm not watching Wally. Or any of those stupid <laughs> movies, I don't support them. Oh man, so I I really apologize because this quote is supposed to inspire, but it sounds like it's fueled no, your hatred it didn't. for A robots. Quote about poison, you think is inspiring? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. Inspire the by the only robot I take quotes from is R two D two. Garbage. Oh man, beep boop beep, as he says. Eric, are yeah. there are there any and <laughs> is there any wisdom that you can extract from this quote? Uh, well, I think despite what the movies show, if you did take a cyanide capsule, there is a possibility that it won't kill you, but just severely <laughs> fuck you up. So you you can take the capsule out of the possibility as in you can just not take one, but you can't take the possibility that you'll survive out of the cyanide capsule. That was beautiful. God. <laughs> spoken like a true poet wow i didn't realize yeah. we had robert frost on this podcast okay <laughs> Let, <laughs> let's, thank you for putting your quill and ink down to be with us today <laughs> that, was, that was incredible <laughs> <laughs> oh god i'm pissing all right i feel like we're motivated now from that quote so we're gonna move on yeah. into a question and this is found by our fan rufus i hope that's your real real name rufus maybe he's from alabama anyway he sends a quote from reddit and it says i'm 17 and my parents still don't want me to see kissing on tv shows please help every time we were watching tv together and there's kissing they fast forward change the channel or they just stare at me it is starting to really annoy me they act as if i'm a child who hasn't seen this stuff before it's like their ultimate goal is to keep me as innocent as possible. How do I get them to stop? Sincerely, this kisses me off. All right, guys. So we've got a 17-year-old that do- their parents don't like to show or see kissing at all with them. Nikki, did your parents, did they ever have that issue? Or did were you able to watch sex scenes with them in movies that you guys... Um, they definitely didn't fast forward it. And... Um... I wish that I wish that they did. So Rufus, I, I think you're being a little selfish, <laughs> and I think that you should give your parents some credit because I, 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 I'm one of those people that I love to make out without tongue. I don't want your tongue in my mouth, and I wish that I never saw it. I wish I was still a virgin. I wish I could turn it all back. So just enjoy the simpler times of life, and you know when you're ready to kiss somebody, you'll know it. I think your parents are protecting you. You don't know what goes on in this world. People put their tongues in people's ears and asses you don't <laughs> enjoy the simple times you're 17 worry about your acne okay focus on the more immediate things oh so that's actually really nice and i think you bring up a good point too nikki because i remember the first sex scene that i watched with my parents it was titanic where the what's her name was drawn like one of his french girls and then there was the hand on the car and i just remember feeling so awkward and i wish i could take that moment back still (laughs) so i think maybe yeah she's on the right track here stop stop being so so prissy did you you start to associate sex with a capsizing (laughs) (laughs) yes i was extremely traumatized from that point on i started to develop signs of hypothermia from the freezing because i was just (laughs) terrifying Do you and get that- a boner every time you see an icicle <laughs> <laughs> it was an easy way for my parents to tell me to stay out of the house when they were having sex too because then i would see the handprint on the steamed window and then i'd just stay away <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh god a canvas with my mom half drawn naked oh oh why do i even sure think she that? <laughs> why did you go there <laughs> we talked about it on that podcast she looked great i'm proud of her her. sorry all right let's take a quick break for me to vomit but uh, (laughs) 
Eric, what about you? Did you ever watch kissing scenes with your parents when you guys were watching movies? Um, you know, I feel like if I was watching a movie with my parents and one came up, you just sat there and you cringed through it, right? As a kid. Um, it's, it's really awkward. But it, I didn't have them jumping up to, you know, censor the bottom half of the screen or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I found even weirder though was other people's parents who I felt like I was I remember like watching movies like with at my friend's house and like their parents would watch the movies like that was always weird to me like you're 65 why are you in a room of 17 year olds <laughs> oh oh just even watching the movie yeah like that there was a friend her, her mom always used to watch like American Horror Story and that was like porn in itself so you're watching somebody get plowed on camera and then you're like <laughs> Hey, ma'am, how's your granddaughter? You know, it's very awkward during commercial breaks. (laughs) It's a very... I didn't realize how intimate of a moment it is. But watching someone get plowed on television with another person, that really... It either... (laughs) Yeah. It either forges a bond or it it repels you from that person for a long time. I keep thinking about how many kids have seen Game of Thrones. Oh, God. Imagine watching that with your sister, which... I ended up having to do, and then the Cersei and did you ever see it, Nikki? I, I haven't. Oh, okay, I, I have been to medieval times. Okay, <laughs> just as much boobs. <laughs> Spoiler alert: There's a dash of incest throughout the show, just to, for equal Great. measure. So that's that makes it especially awkward to watch with family. I think that's. Uh, you guys are really, you know, tailoring this show to the Alabama crowd. And I think <laughs> I, I think it's wonderful what you're doing. Game of here. Thrones is huge in Alabama. Let's just yeah. say <laughs> they're like Game of Thrones. They're like I call that Tuesday. <laughs> oh god, uh, you're so damn funny, Nikki. You didn't even watch the show, and you're already making jokes about it that you're just cracking. I us really up. should be locked up. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's a blessing and a curse to be like this. There comes, I'm telling you, it's not all good. Oh. I gave a, you, I, sometimes I, you know, I've, I've given eulogies where I think I'm funny and literally bombed at my grandma's funeral. So I'm telling you, you're better off. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I, belong, I, I belong in the San Diego Zoo at this point. Wait, did you really give a eulogy at your grandma's funeral? Yeah. Yes, I did. And yeah. bombed? The first one, my grandma was a big Michael Jackson fan. So I thought I would make some jokes that she was the only person who thought he was innocent. Um, and that, oof, that was rough. I mean, I, I just wanted to turn behind me and my grandma in the, in the cafe and be like, oh, sorry. But uh, yeah, I, I committed. I committed. And I actually gave another, I gave another eulogy. Yeah, and I just wrote it out with the silent. My, bro, my little brother gets such a kick out of this. This is how crazy I am. So, you know, I do stand up. I, I'm not sound like an asshole, but when I go on stage, I'm used to people clapping. So when they called me up to do the eulogy, I just, you know, in my head, people were clapping. So I got up there when I took the microphone, the first words out of my mouth were, thank you. But it was dead quiet. And my brother was like, you literally said thank you. And there was not one person clapping or like excited that you were up there. I was like, okay. Well, I mean, lesson learned, you know. Um. (laughs) I'll say. (laughs) All right. So I think we've come to the conclusion here that this question asker should really just be thankful that they're not watching these awkward ass moments with their parents because... The grass is always greener. And when this is all over, if you want to see people kiss so bad, go outside the bus stop at your local Applebee's. You'll see more than kissing. It's one of the most romantic spots 
in Alabama, yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right. I think we're ready to move on. So we're going to go into the next segment, which is business advice, because why not? And so this week, we're going to be helping buffets. Now, we're going to read this article talking about the struggle of buffets with COVID-19. And then we're just going to offer some advice on how buffets can be great again. So, Eric, would you mind reading some of this article? About I'm buffets. just asking for no mention of sulfurite or whatever the fuck that was in the story. That's my one request. Cyanide. Oh, cyanide. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> All right. America's biggest buffet chains are trying to reinvent the wheel in the face of the raging pandemics, searching for new ways to feed folks while keeping everyone safe. Golden Corral says it's serving guests cafeteria style with cooks loading up customers' plates with as much grub as they desire. The new service model eliminates the need for guests to touch utensils. A rep tells us that Golden Corral is also serving family style meals where large platters are served and delivered to guests sitting at their table. A stark contrast from the golden age of Golden Corral. The buffet chain is also implementing new social distancing measures, including floor markers, table spacing, and drink delivery to tables. Golden Corral also says it's continuing to wipe down all guest touchpoint areas every half hour, check check employees' temperatures, and install new hand sanitizer stations. Eric, are you okay? Eric? Eric? Eric! Eric! I think he's frozen. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god the, somebody in alabama <laughs> killed him with the harpoon <laughs> oh god you just made me hack up a lung oh they said you're talking about our buffets and now we're gonna kill you oh no okay so let's pretend eric's dead and just move yeah. on with the podcast do you like buffets do you eat at buffets I-, I was gonna say it's been a while since i've eaten at a buffet and with COVID-19 happening, I don't know if I'm going to return, but my family, I think one of the biggest stores or one of the one of the main restaurants was a, a Golden Corral in Cottonwood, Arizona. So we did happen to frequent buffets and yeah, so I, I ended up going a lot. What about you? Um, I actually got gonorrhea from a buffet, so I haven't been back since, since that experience, but um, I think you know, it's definitely, I think there has to be rules enforced about phase that were enforced since day one. For example, you don't need to go up for four servings of mac and cheese. You get one serving, you make your trip, and you sit down. And here, and here, and here's the thought. You're going to wash your hands before you eat. So there needs to be serious laws. And here's another thing. If you're going to eat a buffet, don't you dare let me catch you in sandals with no socks with your nasty ass feet by the potatoes. Maybe there should be, because they said they were going to do temperature checks. So I think maybe they should also give a uniform or something like a hazard. Orally or anally? Uh, both. Both. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, it, it is Golden Corral. So, I mean, the whole name, it's it's like a, a place where they store animals. So I, I'm surprised yeah. that they're not doing a trough. Golden um, Corral sounds like some type of discharge. When you see that golden corral, you're like, eh, I should probably go to an urgent care. Something's <laughs> not right. They're like, so how long have you been golden corralling for? <laughs> <laughs> well, it started on Tuesday, and then I got the chills. Not good. <laughs> oh, man. Not good. Did you ever have a favorite item? For some reason, the only buffet that's... Oh, no. Oh, my God. I'm such a liar. I have been at a buffet in Lancaster, Pennsylvania with the Amish. <gasps> oh. 
oh no, that is a buffet. But I don't know if that counts as a buffet because, well, yeah, it does. The people there still can't read. But I think that. (laughs) Oh my God, I love this buffet in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's called Miller's. It's iconic. And it's all like farm and country style food. Um, So I would say I love their um, apple pie, which is so generic. (laughs) But that was the last thing I had at a buffet probably like two years ago. This is embarrassing to admit. I probably don't want to say it, but I'll say it anyway. But I would always go say straight. It. I'd go straight for the pudding. Really, Mr. Cosby? I know. <laughs> <laughs> There's somebody else who shares. I, I would. Oh, no. Oh, God. God. Oh, man. That just reminded me when I was a kid. I love in between full house. There were the commercials with Bill Cosby where he talked about. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say as a kid, I spent a weekend with Bill. Oh, God. No, 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 no. But yeah, I loved I think it was Bill Cosby that influenced me to eat pudding, though. Actually, he was one of my pudding role models. Bill influenced me to get a rape whistle. (laughs) You know, I think he's inspired us all in different ways, which I think is great. And and inspiration to us all, yes. Yeah, True. no questions. <laughs> no questions asked. <laughs> oh, man. So Eric said he Zoom just rebooted for him for no reason, so he sh- he might be coming back on in a sec. Does this happen to any of your other guests where one of the co-hosts is like, fuck, I'm out. Like, I'm just like, he's like, I'm leaving. <laughs> he's like, fuck this brunette, Ellen. I've had enough. I'm I, not I, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to a golden corral. Fuck you all. <laughs> uh, so it looks like, oh, his internet outage in his area. Likely excuse. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Nikki, I feel like we've reached the end of our podcast. So it's time to say goodbye but before we do i just wanted to extend a huge thank you to you for being on the podcast filling us and our alabama and other state listeners with laughter but for those of those who have just acquired a taste of nikki paris and want more oh sorry are you talking to someone no there's a helicopter like i'm wrapping up a podcast interview shut up how sorry rude (laughs) i mean i'm in the pool can't i have any (laughs) r&r No, I was just going to ask where for those people that have gotten a taste of Nikki Paris from this podcast, where can they find you to find out when your shows are going to be? Prison. Oh. <laughs> no, you can find me. You can find me on. Uh, I'm on social media. You can follow me at Nikki Paris bitch, which is my confirmation name. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, I'll have that in the show notes. Anyway, You're great. I had so much fun with you guys and very engaging, charismatic, and I, I really enjoyed my time with you guys. So thank you for having me. Oh, it was our pleasure. Uh, all right, listeners, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you guys haven't already, please subscribe, tell a friend, leave a review. It means so much for us. There are algorithms and cyanide pills and stuff that it affects. So leave a review for us. And um, I'm sure Eric says thank you as well. So uh, I'll yeah, I bet. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you. That, that was Eric. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you. We'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Thank you.